Thank you for tuning in to Tech United on Tap, brought to you by Tech United New Jersey. You're listening to a special episode from our Propelify 2020 series, and you can find more episodes like this on our website at techunited.co. That's techunited.co. This talk debuted at the fifth annual Propelify Innovation Festival in October 2020, where our mantra is to propel ideas into action. Enjoy it, and be sure to subscribe to be notified when new episodes go live. Very excited about this next session with Carlos Medina. He's the president of Robinson Aerial Services. He's also the president and CEO of the New Jersey uh, Statewide Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. He's been a board member of the New Jersey EDA, the Economic Development Authority, where he also served as, uh, as chairman of the Real Estate Subcommittee for several years. He's also a member of the directors, member of the board of directors at Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. Seems like you keep yourself busy. Carlos, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks. Thanks for warning me about the bow tie uh, uh, dress code. <laughs> you know, I got to be on brand. He's, you know, it's a, this is the P for Propelify and our little New York City guy that's normally behind us. You got some good branding going on here on there. You, I, I respect you. that. From where are you, are you joining us today? I'm in Robinson Ariel's headquarters. So I'm in my office. Uh, the COVID situation has turned my office into a little bit of a studio. If I flip this camera around, I have two lights. I have, uh, I'll show you my little professional microphone. Nice. So, uh, it's been yeah, a learning you... experience, but uh, as many of our, my members, you know, we're, we're learning to pivot and lean on technology more during these trying times. You know, I've actually, this is a little off topic here, but I've seen you guys have put out a lot of great content. Why do you think content such an important you know, strategy. You know, part of what makes our chamber um, so viable and we rank as the number one chamber in the state by, by membership is we use a hashtag familia. So it's a lot of the in-person touching, talking, hugging. So it's been really stressful for a lot of our members. So the next best thing is to have content, have Zoom meetings and at least have, you know, keep that human connection that um, is so hard during the last six months. So yeah, we did a chamber talk series with the Asian American chamber. Um, we're part of a show, Amigos de Univision, which is on every Saturday. And that Univision, that's the New York, New Jersey market, it's the largest Univision in the country. So wow. we have a lot of fun doing that. And then I personally launched a show on NJTV called Que Pasa, New Jersey, just to focus on role models, business people, cool things happening in the tri-state area, a little bit from a, a more diverse lens. So we, we keep busy. <laughs> That's very cool. I, and I appreciate you, you extending that invite to me. I'd love to be on. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Season two, I'm looking for guests, definitely. You were no, recommended that, that... by somebody. I can't remember. It might have been. Oh, Frank good. Uh, oh, great. You. <laughs> I, I would say I'm kidding, but I would love to be on if, if you think that makes sense. Um, Share with people who may not be aware, especially with the non-Hispanic community, what is the, the, the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce? And what, and what do you do? What do you look to empower okay. your, your members Founded in 89. Actually, Governor Kane at the time suggested that some smaller chambers unite and, you know, get together, become one larger organization to serve the Hispanic community. But I would say our membership, when I go through the numbers, we're probably 50% Hispanic, like 50% non-Hispanic. So... I'd say if you have an open mind and you believe in diversity, you're certainly welcome in our home, at our table. Um, we just want to help 
New Jersey businesses. And we understand that Hispanic businesses don't have a Rolodex or the tools that perhaps a third generation business has. So we just try to help them. But we've never turned down uh, businesses of every ethnicity, every background. When we do training classes, we've trained, uh, you know, we have a sweet spot for the veterans. We've helped mentor that organization, the Veteran Chamber. So we just want to help. We're a very altruistic organization. We don't try to monetize every handshake and relationship, but yeah. it's been, uh, it's been a, a fun ride uh, helping the organization help their members. What's the makeup of, you know, I'm sure there's a, a wide variety of member profiles, but what are some common business uh, you know, the common businesses that some of your members are involved in? It's really diverse. Everybody, you know, well, not everybody. There's a common perception of like the bodega, but we're lawyers, doctors, uh, engineering firms. A lot of folks in hospitality, you know, has been a big uh, section and certainly technology. You know, we have a young lady who does virtual reality, VR Americas, um, folks with drone technology. So uh, yeah. I would say Hispanics lean a little more on tech and even with devices, um, ATT, Verizon, when they do surveys, uh, Hispanics generally over-index on the use of their phone and devices to to obtain their their news and their data. Yeah. So there's a stat that uh, immigrants account for 30% of our population, but 50% of our Main Street businesses in New Jersey. So, you know, especially with the pandemic, what, what have you learned? How have you seen businesses react? Where do you think there's opportunity? You know, how can technology play a role? I mean, I, uh, any of those questions, we'll, we'll yeah. go in a few directions there. It's been uh, a stressful time for the organization, number one. We probably increased our payroll and vendor spend by 50% while income has dropped. But our members are in dire need, so we had to be there for them. We've helped with over 300 PPP and EIDL loan. We've partnered with the EDA on several of their grant programs. So we're really helping businesses. I would say that immigrant businesses in general, and I won't say this is a Hispanic phenomenon. So immigrants from Ireland and Italy, year, you know, many years ago, they've gone through such a struggle that they're a little more battle tested to be entrepreneurs during a crisis. So they're less likely to, you know, call it a day and say, you know, I'm bankrupting this business. They are used to hurdles. They're used to fighting. Um, the fight. So I've seen our members be very resilient, but again, they, everybody's stressed. So they've leaned on the chamber and luckily we've had the resources to really help them. And technology has been major. I mean, there's a, a very large digital divide. We've tried to help them. We're looking at some pretty, you know, we'll have, we'll have conversations not on, on the camera about how we could possibly team with organizations that are trying to set up um, virtual environments for B2B. We have a, a member from Jersey setting up a virtual mall. So you could have a kiosk permanently in this virtual mall. Uh, so we're trying to use technology to drive revenue to these chambers and drive business where they maybe are only doing curbside pickup, 25% dining, or whatever their business might be. Uh, technology has played a major role. Something that, that you and I should follow up with is that we're launching with Verizon. Verizon's only 5G installation in New Jersey is in Hoboken. And we're bringing to several retailers in Hoboken a variety of technologies 
to help them rebuild based on the on the pandemic. And I wonder if there's an opportunity to bring some of this technology to some of your members. Yeah, we'll, definitely. We'll follow up on that. My business, um, even though I do aerial mapping, I do also have an MEP division. So I actually have inspected some of the new uh, the the not you know the, the nodules that are going up around the to to. Uh, to have 5G. So Verizon, not a direct contract, but through some of my vendors as a woman owned firm, SDG, that does a lot of contracting and design. So Hudson County, but I know everybody speaks very highly about what Hoboken's doing with 5G and that they're very aggressive. I mean, this, I just want to highlight, like, this is exactly the reason that, you know, one, we rebranded as Tech United because it's the magic that happens when you bring these people together in this conversation, you know, reflective of exactly the sometimes the, the less obvious opportunities for, for organizations, and in this case, you know, two individuals to collaborate, which is why we look to bring so many people to, you know, Carlos Propelify is named after propelling ideas into action. It's not about just sitting on the sidelines. You've got to take action. Yep. What kind of action, you know, can our community of, of technologists and entrepreneurs do to help some of the businesses that you're seeing, you know, really devastated by the pandemic? Yeah, it's uh, being open-minded and having a recognition that as the Hispanic population and thus the Hispanic business population increase with buying power, if we were, if Hispanic Americans were a country, we'd be the eighth largest economy in the world. Um, So there's a lot of spend there and it's only growing. So if you're open-minded and you hire team members, board of directors, uh, your vendors, if they better reflect that growing Hispanic population, Hispanic buyers are so brand loyal, you're really setting yourself up for success. And studies have shown a diverse board, um, you know, with people of color, with women are going to make you able to better represent your, you know, your, your sales or whatever, whatever product or service you're, you're selling. So be open-minded, um, with a recognition that it's not about philanthropy. It's really good for your business to be open and, you know, spend money with Hispanic businesses. Make sure when you're looking for talent that you consider Hispanic individuals. And when you're forming a board of directors for your organization, consider that a Hispanic board member is going to bring a lot of value and bring you insight into that huge buying power. So I want to lean in on that a little bit because I think something I've been talking about lately is this sort of bubble of sameness that we tend to to gravitate towards, or that technology sometimes can uh, can can bring us towards. Meaning, if I'm listening on Pandora and I want to listen to music like a, of a certain artist, it tends to show, you know show me other music of that same artist, and I don't want to hear all the same things. I don't want to be surrounded by the same you know white people who look like me and think like me. So specifically, for people thinking, yeah, that sounds cool. I, I, I like it the first point of view. I know that this is a smart business move. How would you recommend if they don't have a lot of Hispanic friends or maybe they have no Hispanic friends, um, where, where should they look? How do we reach out into other communities to build these bridges? Yeah, I mean, chambers, uh, obviously here in Jersey, there's the African-American chamber, there's our chamber, there's county Hispanic chambers. You know, most of our events are free. We're not looking to shake your hand and ask you to go in your wallet. So many, I would say a lot of our free members have really benefited from the networking abilities. A lot of our Zoom calls are free. So pop into organizations, it doesn't have to be the chamber, but pop into diverse organizations and you will see that there's amazing networks, whole, you know, whole economies that are are different than you that are really valuable. A couple of our uh, 
a couple members that have joined recently are Asian and they've, you know, every culture is different the way you network and whatnot, but they have found it incredibly valuable the the way that Hispanics or or what I said earlier, you know, a touchy feeling and Asian sometimes could be more reserved. So they are they've constantly thanking me like, wow, you're kind of teaching us how to network a little better. And it's even helped within our own community to be a little bit more out there and reaching out to to different folks. So like you said, with a radio analogy, it's good to learn how people, you know, how they do business, but how they network and how they how they do things differently. You you could learn a lot from different cultures and different uh, different organizations. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, I, I've uh, you, you've you've tweeted about you've spoken about capital deserts. Can you expand on on this issue and how you think we could change that? Yeah, it's a major issue. Um, as community banks, I think at one point there were like five thousand community banks in the United States, and that's maybe a third now. And where they're leaving are urban areas. So there's still community banks in affluent communities, but some urban areas have no community banks. So where you might've had a relationship with a branch manager and you were seeking a loan for your business, it's not that they were only looking at a piece of paper or an application. They knew you. So they're like, oh, John, yeah, he might've missed one payment, but I see his hardware store and I know he's a hardworking guy. So when that goes to loan committee, there's a certain input that's not available on a digital form or a scan. So I think you had less loan declinations when you are a tight-knit community and you know the mom and pop stores. As these banks have closed or moved out of urban areas, now you're just a piece of paper. I about 12 years ago, I had like a million dollar line of credit with my local bank. My house was almost paid off. And the gentleman said, you know, you should do all your banking with us. Why don't you roll, do something with your mortgage, you know, take some more money out. And I didn't want to do it, but I just did it to placate him and try to have more business with him since he had, you know, the business for my big line of credit that I really need in the tech market because I get paid so late. Yeah. And they actually declined my ass to get more money out of my mortgage. Wow. It really upset me at the time. I was like, I don't need this money. I have like 400,000 equity in my You home. asked me. And I asked to do this loan. I paid $500 to have my house appraised and you declined me. I'm not saying it was nefarious, but it was really suspicious. I was like, wow, you know, somebody up there saw Carlos Medina and they're like, nah, we don't need this guy. They said, oh, you had too many, you had signs for your company as a co-signer on too many of the vans you have or something like that. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, all right. <laughs> so yeah, you know, so I mean, in I'm involved with micro lenders because they're folks that are just not bankable and the options are crazy. I'm talking 50% interest rate. So I would I mean, love I, to I've see a program that's government banked, just like first time home buyers. You know, everybody yeah. thinks about individuals, but forgets about businesses. So, you know, you could be a, person today, you have certain safeguards, even when you sign paperwork, and then you become a beauty salon tomorrow. Now it's caveat emptor. You should know better. You're a business and you also lose some of those safeguards. So if you get a car loan, there's a lot of safeguards, but you get a business loan, suddenly all the predators come out of the woodwork and you have no recourse. So I'm part of groups that are trying to change that. We're trying to do things in New Jersey, but I could tell you the lobby against it is very strong. (laughs) So just to- Why is that? it's money. It's money, right? So if you could tell an individual or not have to tell an individual at closing what their APR is, some businesses like that. 
we are of the opinion, even if it's 20%, put it in writing. The business might still need it because they're going to buy a widget for $100 and sell it for $200. They don't mind paying 20%, but you got to let them know what they're signing. It's a yeah. little... Uh, it's a little disingenuous to say, well, we don't need to tell them what their annual percent uh, rate is. You know, well, you know I was not aware of this issue. Uh, you know, as a, and on the consumer market, I was under the impression that they had to disclose the APR. And if I the consumer, yeah, now you're a business a and it's like, because you're a business, you should know better. So that's a little. And they don't <laughs> have to disclose. Correct. I mean, how do you think that the tech market, you know, there's a, crowdfunding New Jersey is actually one of our sponsors. Like there's a variety of, of tech tools that yep. are trying to democratize access to capital. How do you think that the tech community can level the playing field here? They could continue to do things like, yeah, crowdfunding. Those are great technologies. Um, it just has to have some sort of human factor because you can't yeah. have an algorithm determine if a loan is viable or not because there's going to be that inherent bias, as I said earlier, that Hispanics or African-Americans maybe miss a payment here or there, but you don't really know their story. So that's the only thing that scares me of, of you know, tech making uh, an underwriting decision. At some point, a human eye has to make a more, you know, subjective decision than just a score or, or some sort of algorithm. Yeah. There's a lot of talk about the inherent biases of the, of the programmers, um, who program these tools to make sure yeah. that we, we do level the playing field to, to try to yeah. make it's sure it's hard. I'm issues. not saying it's a difficult problem to yeah. tackle, but we have a lot of smart individuals like yourself. We'll figure it out. <laughs> We're trying. Um, you know, you brought up this issue that on, on racism before, and I wonder with everything that's happened with the black lives movement, uh, black lives matter movement, how, what your thoughts have been, because you know, you've been championing the Hispanic community for a long time. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming you're support of this movement, but I want to put words in your mouth. Yeah, you I would say I'm an ally yeah. of the movement and John Harmon and I from the African-American Chamber. We're actually on NJTV this weekend talking about business and, and the current environment. Do you think that the Hispanic community deals with similar issues? Yeah, they're, they're similar. They're similar, but different, right? Like I think I was quoted in an article once with John saying, I don't know what it is to walk into a room and have somebody, you know, maybe uh, somebody clutch their purse or treat you differently because I could appear to be from many different countries, Greek, Italian. Um, but my name on a piece of paper could be different than John. So John might have an application and says, John Harmon, he might, they might not say anything, but my name is clear, Carlos Medina. Yeah. And I've even been in workplaces where people try to change my name. So it's like, are you Carlo? Are you Italian? I was like, no, it's Carlos. Then two days later, hey, Carlo, that was my uncle's name. I don't know. <laughs> something like they're trying to mess with your head or it's just, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. what. It is, but they're definitely um, both unique experiences, but both detrimental to business is the bottom yeah. line. You know, obviously around the theme of better planet, we're looking also at ways that we can you know, think about a sustainable future. PSCG's made a big commitment with us. We're giving away a $50,000 startup prize. Um, similarly, Hackensack Meridian and Verizon to make commitments. What would you charge this community with thinking about and how we can, and, and, what, and from you know, the Hispanic business perspective, are there things we should be thinking about that also drive towards a better planet? Yeah, so PSCG is a good example. I'm glad you mentioned them. Uh, I've been involved on a large green project that they're proposing and they really were able to meet with many stakeholders from the community 
to be able to ask what are your needs and desires as we endeavor on this project. So we asked to have a large diverse spend when they start hiring hundreds and hundreds of vendors and making sure that the big conglomerate construction companies also allow small businesses to have a seat at the table. And Dave Daly made a commitment in writing that it would be a significant diverse spend. So if more companies do what PSC and G does, when they're also pursuing green initiatives um, to have a better planet, you know, they're kind of very simpatico. All those thoughts work well together. We, I mean, to your point, right, we've, part of our focus with that startup competition was, was rewarding companies that are addressing the future of work, specifically like workers who are being displaced by technology that might be taking their meter reading job or other things like that, because we want to be thinking about how do we create an equitable future? Um, and and the, uh, frankly, the, the, the program with them has really opened my eyes to some of the, um, the issues that come up that I think this community might think as sort of by accident, well, they hired a vendor XYZ, but when that's the system, it's, it's very, very hard to break in. You've been involved in the New Jersey business community and, and having, have had you know, strong relationships with government for many years. How are we doing? It's a tough time. Um, I don't envy the governor having to balance the economy and safety when we were hit so hard in this region. It's certainly not a New Jersey specific issue. I know some business groups have been hard on him, but I'm of the opinion that if you're cautious, your business is going to survive. If you're reckless, like Florida, for example, I have the chamber leaders, actually the United States Hispanic chamber president who's in Texas was like, oh my God, your governor's doing a great job. I was like, oh, I thought the perception was otherwise. He's like, no, we have these yahoos in Texas that are opening our businesses and our businesses don't even want to, you know, have the risk. And then if it's a neighboring business, it's like a crazy domino. Yeah. So I'm more of the opinion steady and safe is good for business and then have other assistance programs. The EDA has really put out some impressive programs. They've used Agreed. the CARE Act money well, and they continue every day to announce more and more money going to you know, help entrepreneurs. It's a crisis. I mean, it's not something that could be, you know, turned around overnight. So the process has been well thought out. Um, I think he has the business community at heart, but I know there's some organizations that are just, you know, they would have wanted him to open everything up a hundred percent and we see what happens. You know, you could see where spikes occur when, when you do open things up hundred percent, I think it would have been foolish and dangerous. And then that, you would have really decimated a business community if you start infecting patrons and lawsuits and, and proprietors. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge problem. I, I think, I mean, many of our own members, many of the att uh, attendees here, I think struggle with this issue and I, I completely empathize with them. Um, I've seen a lot of frustration with, with yeah. uh, attendees wanting to see businesses open back up. I, I agree with you, I don't envy the position he's in. I'm glad that we've, our stats have been relatively steady and mostly decreasing. Um, what do you think the opportunity is though for government to empower not just more small business, but also diverse business building and relationship building around the state? I think the EDA is leading the way with some of the programs that they have. They just have to continue. And I know there is a couple pilot programs coming that'll be announced in the next week or two. And if they're successful, I think they'll become a regular menu on the EDA, you know, offering. So 
I hate to say there's some, you know, positive coming out of a pandemic, but a year from now, I think you'll see the EDA be an organization that's more open to the needs and struggles of small businesses in the state and really be an example for other states on how to incubate and mentor your small businesses. Um, I mean, you know, Luis and I always talk about, you know, if, if every small business were to hire like one more employee, we'd have zero unemployment in this country. Small businesses drive the economy. And often when you're only looking at attracting large organizations to your state and you're giving them incentives, and yet the small businesses receive zero, there's an inequity there. So if you, if you invest a small amount in small businesses, I think your ROI is going to be great. So yeah. I, my opinion is EDA, keep doing what you're doing. And I know there are plans to continue to do that. And I, I, I want to highlight, you know, I've been in the tech community now for about a decade, a couple of different administrations, whether you agree with Murphy or not, whether you agree with what uh, Tim Sullivan's doing, they're doing a lot more than, than happened in prior administrations that, at least from my perspective, I think dramatically make a difference for the innovation community, as he talks yeah. about. Specifically, I think the tech startup community, the EDA has put a huge amount of money at work. I don't know the numbers offhand, but many, many millions of dollars directly into the, into the hands of small businesses in response to the pandemic, which is not happening around the country. No. So I, they definitely deserve credit for that. Um, you know, the, many of the businesses that we're talking about here may not be overtly tech businesses, but they're tech enabled. And this is something we talk about quite a bit is how a small retailer may leverage technology. I mean, if you, you might see things like I do, I think every business is a tech business in some component now. What are some creative ways that you're seeing, especially Main Street businesses, leverage technology to grow? I mean, they're partnering with folks like our restaurants, you know, partnered with Uber Eats and Postmates to be able to try to drive revenue at a time that they couldn't even open, you know, inside. Um, and then just getting the message out. You yeah, know, we still have a large digital divide in the Hispanic business community, but I think we're trying to bridge that through, as I said earlier, vid virtual malls, uh, virtual events, virtual expos. Um, and there are things that'll stay in place. One of our businesses was a, his, his slogan was 20 venues in 20 minutes for wedding venues. And now he's helping us with our 3D technology that we use for the, the expos. You're in a video game when you're in one of our expos, but he use, he's using that same technology, which has no business today. Nobody, you know, nobody's planning, nobody's doing the 20 wedding visits, at least they haven't for the last six months. So yeah. he, you know, he, he rightfully pivoted his business and used the technology he already had. So that's been the, you know, the gratifying part of what we do at the chamber is seeing businesses that be able to take a skill set and, and, and pivot and actually increase their business. Obviously cleaning companies and security companies have seen a huge spike in, in the need for PPE and, and for cleaning services. So those have been businesses that have seen revenue double and triple during the pandemic. I think, you know, I've had a similar experience with our members where, uh, you know, Jessica Gonzalez of InCharged yep. pivoted from uh, event, powering cell phones at events, uh, kiosks, which I'm sure yep. I just totally murdered how she would explain it, to <laughs> UV light disinfectant machines that she's, you know, installing in businesses and, and hospitals and schools, et cetera, which, I mean, I do think that speaks to the grit. You know, we both are lead these communities of people who take action I think it's, it's what makes me so excited about being part of these things. I get very invigorated by it. It's very gratifying to see what they do. It's gratifying to see what we can bring to the table to help them grow. Um, it, it, it's, it's a lot of fun, really. Yeah, um, 
and I'd like to see that we do more as organizations together. Like I said, I think that's kind of part of what we want to make sure that that the Tech United community, the Propelify audience knows that there's a very deep resource here, a strong community that wants to do business. So I, I hope that those listening will, will take advantage of that. And I, we should mention, what is the site if they're curious of checking out some of the, the chamber, the Hispanic Chambers events? Sure, it's shccnj.org. shccnj.org, check it out. So as I mentioned, you know, the, the theme, oh, I, before actually we get to the last question, the, the elections come up in a variety of our conversations just because we're a month out. Yep. So what effect do you think that the outcome of this election has on the Hispanic community in New Jersey? I think they just want to see it over regardless of the victor because there's so much anxiety and stress leading up to it. Um, yeah. It's, it's, do you think the outcome matters? I would, I mean, I'm a little biased in this. I think that a, a Biden presidency would be more open to Hispanic businesses. I know when, uh, you know, even that whole controversy with Goya and President Trump, when you really read what his executive order was, it was just, <laughs> it was just words. There was no teeth to do anything for the Hispanic business community. So I think that might've been considered pandering right at the, uh, you know, right before the election. Um, so yeah. By the way, that New, New Jersey company in Goya, you think that was an unfair, you know, the reaction was unfair? No, I, uh, I know Goya pretty well. And yeah, I mean, I know, I think if you look at when Bob went to visit with Michelle Obama for a healthy eating, he just said, thank you, glad to be here. And then with Trump, he really said, you're a, you're a bridge builder. You're, you know, he, he really went out of his way to, yeah. to kiss up to the president at a time when, you know, he's killing our community, you know, literally and figurative, figuratively. So I didn't think that was the right thing to say at the time. But again, I'm a little biased. This uh, caveat, this does not represent the chamber. <laughs> I'm not speaking. That's all right. Carlos Medina, that is the chamber. Um, so I, yeah, I, I would that, think yeah. in a different a different administration, we would fare better and I, we'd see better representation and, and better worldwide relations with Latin America, which is, is very needed. Yeah, I, I happen to agree with you. Um, also my own personal view, not necessarily <laughs> of the organization, but something I do feel very strongly about. The theme of this event is to build a better future for all. And so the, the last question we've been asking all our guests is what would you charge this community to do to leverage technology so that we can build a better future for all. Yeah, just open your heart to diversity and know that, you know, you don't know who the next Bill Gates or, or, or tech wizard in the Hispanic community is, but if you don't put that hand out and, 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 and embrace diversity, you're not gonna find it. Like that would be the most terrible thing in the world that there's somebody here who just needs, you know, access to capital, a friend, a mentor, and we, we don't do that, you know, that would be a tragedy. So be open-minded and be willing to, to pull a couple people up along the way. Yeah, a theme we've heard quite a bit. So I, I am with you on that. Carlos Medina, I really appreciate you joining us on this session with, with at Propelify. Really interesting, you know, similar theme that we've, been, that we've been hearing. So if you, if you aren't inspired to open your minds and maybe at some point soon we can actually be together, open your arms, uh, I, I hope this session got you there. Thanks for listening. Let us know your favorite takeaways on social media at We Are Tech United. Stay tuned.
More of Tech United on Tap next.